welcome to the Freed Media Podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Heil, founding member of the Freed Fellowship and Freed Media. This is a podcast dedicated to bridging the gap between entrepreneur and entrepreneur. In this episode, you'll hear one Freed story from someone who made the jump from the corporate world to the vast unknown of entrepreneurship. We at Freed Media know that the road to entrepreneurship can be lonely, but it doesn't have to be. We hope that in sharing Freed stories, that you will gain some tangible tips on how to get freed yourself. It's our mission to provide support and community for those working their five to nine side hustles and jotting down their someday business plan. We're navigating the journey ourselves, and we'd love to take you along with us. Ready to get freed? This next question is a more general question and kind of leads back to where we started, and it is, how do I get customers? How do you get customers? Yeah, you know, I, I hear this question all the time, and I know Nathan's going to have some uh, good thoughts on this because, you know, he spends so much time in marketing. And what I would say is that I think people should get customers before they have product. That might not make sense on its face where people say, okay, get a customer before you have a product. Yeah, find people who believe in you before you find people that believe in your product. So, you know, I'm a big fan of like building an audience, find people in the space that you're in, you know, find people that are interested in what you're doing, you know, become an expert in your space first, you know, start talking about it, blogging about it, writing about it, all things like that, and find people who trust you. And then when you build up enough of an audience, then you can think about selling. So that may not be the, the advice people want to hear if you have a product and you're like, I just need to sell it. But I think that people so many times they spend so much time on the product and don't know who they're going to sell it to. And I say, flip it, you know, find your people, find people that, that believe in you, a lot of them, you know, and who really believe in you. And then, then you can sell them the things that you yeah, I, just, I mean, I think this comes back to something we were talking about earlier, which is you need to solve a real problem for people. And that's the basis of a business. And, you know, that, that could take a lot of forms, right? Like, uh, you know, McDonald's sells, you know, fairly cheap hamburgers. And they're filling a need for people. People want a quick, cheap hamburger that, you know, they know exactly what it's going to taste like. Um, there's other people who, you know, the need that they fill, maybe, you know, a high-end coach or consultant, uh, and they might charge $10,000, $30,000 for, you know, a couple months of, of sessions, and they're solving a, a different scale of problem. But the point is, you really need to know what is the problem that you're able to solve with your business? And who is the person or people, the, the profile of the people who have that problem and are most willing to spend money to solve it? And then what you need to do is find as many of those people as you can and start building relationships with them, which is to Andy's point of the relationships that you build with your potential customers helps you understand them better and develops trust in you uh, on their behalf that then when you make an offer to them, they're going to be much more willing to put money in your pocket because they trust you and you've shown a genuine interest in you know, understanding who they are and solving their problem. So it's, it's, it's a tough question to answer because, you know, how do I get customers? There's a million, you know, and one different kinds of products out there and all kinds of different ways to get customers. But I think the main thing to summarize, the best advice that I could give would be understand the problem you solve, understand who you solve it for, understand where those people are, whether it's online or physically, 
and then try to get in front of them as much as possible to build relationships and understand who they are. So, you know, if you, you know, want to do fashion and, you know, you, so you need to understand like, why, why are people going to buy your clothes or your makeup or your uh, whatever it is that you're going to sell? What makes you different? Why should they care about it? And where are they? You know, so are these people who, you know, maybe they hang out at your, your church or, you know, your local gym or wherever the people are, you know, that you can get to know and meet. Maybe it's online in Facebook groups or, you know, Twitter or wherever it is that you can meet people who would be interested in the service or the product that you have. And then just speak to them, find out what they need and what they want and how they want it. And then make an offer to them, ideally before you actually build your product, because the one, the one challenge with people liking you is that they might tell you that they love your product idea to make you feel good. So you don't want to just hear, yes, I love it. You want to find a way to actually get people to give you their money um, because that's when you'll know that it's for real. Like people will put their money in your pocket. If you don't, even if you don't have a product, then you, you know, you're onto something. Right. Um, and then obviously you have to go out and figure out how to deliver to those people who've taken that, that risk on you. Um, but that would be my main uh, advice to, to get started. Yeah. And I think um, I heard a quote recently that talked about, especially when you're starting out to build a community of advocates, not just customers. So that you have as a business that you have provided a service so strongly and so, so wonderfully for your customers, your clients, that they will then mention your business to 10 people. And that only happens if you do an absolutely outstanding job of filling that need for them. And then they can be like, wow, Nathan did such a good job for me. He's amazing. And those people tell 10 more people. And that's how your base can grow is by serving the people that you have in front of you and allowing them to be your word of mouth and to be your advocates. Alrighty. Our next question is perfect for you, Nathan. How should I spend my money on marketing and advertising? So yeah, this is a, it's again, it's a difficult question because without knowing anything about a particular product or you know market, it's really difficult to give advice. But so I think there's, there's a couple things I would say. First is, I think it's a good question to ask and it shows that you understand that spending money on marketing is important. Um, a lot of people, there's a, there's a certain level of pride that some people take in not spending money on advertising as a business owner. And that's really, in my opinion, misplaced because if you have a product that is you know market tested and makes you money, then you should be advertising because that's the best way to get it out in front of more people. But before you spend money that you can't afford to lose on marketing, you need to know your numbers. You might have to spend, you might have to have, you know, a few hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, depending on you know, where you're spending money to test some things out. But before you go spending thousands of dollars or, or putting huge amounts of money into an, an advertising campaign, you really have to get clear on your numbers, which is, okay, my product costs, you know, this much money. It brings in, for example, call it like, like customer lifetime value. So let's say that you have a e-commerce store and your average cart value for a first time customer is let's say $20. But once you get a customer at $20, you know, over the next six months, you know, on average, uh, they buy another $30, right? So maybe you, you would say that your customer lifetime value is $50. Those are just 
really, really, really rough examples. Don't use that math to actually determine your customer lifetime value because it depends on your industry and your niche. But the point is you need to know like, I'm on average going to make you know $50 per customer in the first six months that I have them as a customer. So you in that situation, you probably do not want to be spending more than $50 to acquire that customer um, because your time to recover that investment in your ad spend is quite long. So you really want to understand like, okay, on average, I'm going to make you know, $100, $50, whatever it is, $1,000, $10,000 per customer. So I can afford to spend to get a customer how much, right? And you do the math. So there's a lot of math involved to really do marketing well. Um, you need to know your cost per click. You need to know your conversion rate, your cost per conversion, uh, your customer lifetime value. These are all terms that if you don't know what they are, then you're not really ready yet to be spending money on marketing and advertising. And in the meantime, you need to be doing outbound, writing emails to everybody you can, you know, in your list, asking for referrals, you know, doing content marketing, free, you know, through social media, blogging, different things while you learn what your conversion rates are and what your customer lifetime value is so that you can then go out and spend money on advertising and not waste that money and actually get a return on, on that investment. So it doesn't necessarily answer the question of how should I spend the money? Because that's really dependent on where your market is and what kind of market they are. So, you know, if your clients are all on Instagram, then spending money to advertise on Instagram is what, you know, doesn't make sense to spend money on Google ads if your client base is Instagram, but same thing of, you know, vice versa. If your product is a very, what we would call a, um, high intent uh, search uh, term, for example. So let's say somebody is searching for, you know, how do I lose 10 pounds? And you have a product that helps people lose 10 pounds in 20 days. That's a perfect product to have Google ads for because it'll show up when people are searching for that solution. So you really have to know where your market is, where the people that you want to sell to are, and then do your advertising on those platforms. Um, but you really need to know your numbers first before you do that, or you're going to end up spending hundreds, thousands of dollars and then say the advertising doesn't work for you. Anything you want to add, Andy? No, I, I thought that was great. The one thing that I would say, and it, it kind of goes back to the last comment uh, you made, Maggie, is the idea about you know finding that those first 10 customers. And I would say if someone's saying, okay, how should I spend my marketing spend? I would say uh, spend your marketing spend however you need to to get... 10 people to love your product. Because if you literally spend the time, I don't care if it's literal dollars or your time with 10 customers and they're like, oh my gosh, your thing is awesome. And they will 10, 10 other people, you've got a hundred people. So to me, getting those first 10 people to love your product, to understand what you're doing, that want to evangelize what you do, that's how I'd spend uh, marketing dollars. Because what's so funny is that um, a lot of the businesses that I've seen and look at, they'll be growing. I'll find a business that's growing super fast. And, you know, I'll ask like, well, well, you know, how are you getting your customers? And they say, oh, you know, word of mouth, the word of mouth, they're telling people word of mouth. And what's interesting, these are businesses that are trending towards, you know, six figures. Now they're going to seven figures. They're, they're growing super quick. And they love saying how like, you know, hey, we don't put any dollars in uh, advertising. All we do is word of mouth. And what's funny is I, A, like to hear that because I'm like, okay, great. That means that product market fit. People love your product. And I get worried because I'm like, okay, 
that'll get you so far. And then you're going to have to start spending intelligently. So what I would say is that if you're not at that state, you know, where where you're not going six figures, moving very quickly to seven figures, then you need to get to where those companies are. You know, first spend the time and energy and marketing dollars towards getting people to love your product, understand it. And then when you get to six figures going towards seven figures, then you'll start focusing on like, how do I really scale your marketing budget? You know, I think too many people think that they have to give Google all their money in order to grow their business. And that's not the case. If you need Google from dollar one to grow your business, there's probably something fundamentally that won't scale with your business. I mean, I don't think that there's anything wrong with like doing very small test spends. If you're, you're testing your homepage and you're trying to understand things and see how people read your ads or understand it's all testing at that stage. But if you're like, Oh, the first million dollars I'm going to make in this business, I'm going to spend a hundred grand or 200 grand to make a million or 300 grand to make a million. I mean, that's a huge commitment to say that I need to spend $300,000 to make a million dollars. Um, and those would be great returns. More like it, you're, you're spending half a million to a million. Some, you know, so there's a lot of businesses growing super fast, spending a million dollars in advertising to get a million dollars in sales. <laughs> you know, that, that's, um, you know, that, that, that's a tough business to be in uh, when you have to pay all your expenses and all that other stuff. Some people do it because then they say, hey, I get this customer for life. And, you know, hopefully I, I won't have to pay the, to get them the second time or a third time. But man, that, that, that's, uh, that's a pretty big gamble. So spend that marketing dollars, getting your first customers, your first 10 customers, have them really know what you do, love what you do. And, you know, they'll get you your next hundred. There you go from the experts. For our next question, we're stepping away from kind of specifics on entrepreneurship. This is more of kind of like a large macro level question in terms of kind of life. What drives wealth inequality and why do some people make so much and others struggle so hard? So that's a big question, Maggie. <laughs> Super big question. The people and, are asking the big questions. Well, you know, and we do get this question, you know, here and there, whether it's direct questions or it just comes up, you know, and I think it's appropriate just given, you know, why we're doing what we're doing at Free um, and how we, we view things. So I, I think it's it's uh, apropos and it, it, it's, uh, you know, it makes sense for us to kind of tackle the question. But I mean, I'll start out by saying, we don't have the perfect answer, <laughs> you know, so I, I don't have the perfect answer. We don't have the perfect answer, but you know, everybody has seen a number of these stats, you know, like something like, you know, the top 20%, you know, uh, uh, of the population, you know, earn 50% of all the income and, and something um, crazy like the top three or four wealthiest people in the country um, have as much wealth as the bottom half you know, uh, uh, of the, um, of the U S population. So there are all these kind of like huge stats out there that are just like, you, you, you see it and you're like, Oh my gosh, like what's going on here. And what I would say is that, um, two things, um, there's, there's one that's a macro and then one gets to, you know, kind of what we're trying to do. And the macro thing is the idea of compounding, you know? So I don't know if people are familiar with the idea of, you know, compounding interest and, uh, you know, Einstein said that, uh, the, the eighth wonder of the world is compounding interest. Because what's interesting about compounding interest uh, is every day you have a certain amount of money or any, it could compound works for anything, but compound interest works. You know, you have $1 and then all of a sudden if you make, you know, 5% interest. Now you're at 105. And then the, the 105, now it compounds, 5% compounds down on the $1 on the one 105. And as that happens, if, if you chart it out, 
it starts to compound and it gets exponential. You know, it, the growth like becomes r- ridiculous. Like one of the things, uh, uh, you know, one of those, I don't know what it is, puzzles, riddles that people say to each other is like, you know, would you rather get paid a hundred thousand dollars or would you want uh, one, get paid one penny a day, but have it doubled every day for uh, 30 days. And, you know, you know, if you ask somebody quickly, they, they might say, oh, I just want the hundred thousand dollars. And if you do the math and I promise you it works out, you quickly get into the millions of dollars if you double a penny, you know, and you compound that every day for 30 days. So the reason why I, you know, I spent the last two, three minutes talking about compounding is because everything comes up. A lot of things come out. So if there's a difference uh, between me and you, and those differences keep compounding over days, it creates a huge difference over time. You know, so any you know student of history will look and say that there has been you know multiple structural issues you know uh, throughout this nation's uh, history and uh, multiple throughout the world um, where you know the lower income brackets of communities um, have not had the same access to opportunity. And if you go generation and generation and generation not having access to that opportunity, that compounds negatively. And versus if, if you're in a group where you've had access to that, that compounds positively, you know, where, you know, wealth compounds on wealth or contacts come, you know, your uh, father or mother went to Harvard, then it's easier for you to go into Harvard and easier for your kids to go to Harvard. So all those things compound. So it's all of that compounding of advantages and opportunities that over time creates these uh, inequalities. Now, you know, th- that's what causes it. So that, that's my best answer of it is that advantages compound and disadvantages compound. Disadvantages compound negatively, advantages compound positively. So, you know, part of the reason why, you know, we started the Freed Fellowship is the idea is that we want more positive compounding for groups, for people who haven't historically uh, seen those opportunities where, you know, they, they hadn't had clear access um, or hadn't had a history of having a lot of the positive compounding happen, you know, um, either in their lives or in their communities and their environments. Um, and, and we're trying to, you know, correct that the best that we can, you know, and, and giving, you know, entrepreneurs, if, if you're, if you've never had a parent or, or a family member who's ever been an entrepreneur, then you're going it alone, you know? So you haven't had that positive compounding. You can't say, oh yeah, my dad was an entrepreneur and he told me the first thing you do is this, that, that advantage would have been compounding for you. So we're trying to change that trend as best as we can, you know, and try to give our listeners out there, people that apply to the free fellowship, um, you know, that opportunity to start compounding positively, compounding those opportunities positively. So you know, that, that, that's the mission we're on. I think the changes that ultimately rectify this will not be done just by us. It will be done by multiple companies, entities, programs, government, multiple interventions that are going to have to happen to, to put a dent into, you know, wealth inequality. But again, you know, we're here trying to do our part. And I think, you know, everybody out there has an opportunity to do their part. Any big thoughts on that, Nathan? Big question answers? I don't know that I have anything profound to add about wealth inequality, because I think there are obviously uh, historical factors, racial factors, gender issues that, you know, have created circumstances for a lot of people that they're difficult to to break out of. And, and it's often something that, you know, I, I, I come from a white working class background, and it's very hard for people, even from my background, to fully understand the 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 level of challenge that exists for a lot of people um, because, you know, we grew up in a Midwestern culture where, you know, everybody just 
you know, grit and hard work. And, you know, slowly, you know, my great grandfather parents all worked on a farm and my grandfathers uh, worked in factories and my father worked in a factory. And some of my uncles made, you know, they got the GI bill and, you know, got a college degree and, and they all worked hard so that I could get a degree. And that's kind of the idea that if you just work hard, you'll get ahead. Um, but unfortunately for a lot of people that can happen, but it's much more difficult to happen because of structural inequality. And those are issues that I, you know, I don't, I'm not an expert in. I've lived out of the U.S. for 10 years, so can't necessarily speak uh, well to what's going on currently uh, from a personal perspective. But you know, I think Andy obviously said it much better than I could. And, and it is right. You just have to find ways to um, to take advantage of you know, the opportunities that Freed Fellowship is providing and others that are trying to help change the situation. Um, but, you know, these are things that are sometimes hundreds or thousands of years in the making. So uh, it's really difficult to, to have quick changes uh, as much as we might like them to be quick changes. Yeah. So although we might not have all the answers to the big, hard-hitting questions of life, we are trying our best to combat them and help as much as we can. And kind of along that topic, we get a lot of questions about Freed and about the Freed Fellowship and how everything works here and kind of what we're doing and what our intention is. So we thought we'd answer some of those questions. So a quick one to start off is what is the Freed Fellowship? Thanks, Maggie. Yeah. So just to start off, you know, uh, the Freed Fellowship is young. (laughs) We are not even a year old yet. And, you know, it really started out of a lot of what we were seeing, you know, uh, not too dissimilar from the whole last question about uh, wealth inequality we saw this huge inequality of opportunity as well as wealth inequality and said, hey, can we do our part uh, to try to close that gap in opportunity? So we created this program to say, hey, let's give more people opportunity. Um, And, and, you know, again, we're less than a year old. We don't have this figured out. You know, we're, we're, we're learning, um, you know, what the best ways we can help people, even with this Q&A we opened it up because we said, hey, we got to get more input from the community and say, hey, where are your questions at? You know, we, we want to meet the community where they're at. You know, so the goal with the free fellowship really is to kind of understand where people are at, what's holding them up and let them know that in their quest to gain financial freedom, build out a business, you know, really go out on their own, that they don't have to be alone. You know, that we can create a, a structure, a system, a community where we can support them. So, you know, the feedback from the community, understanding, responding to it and building out programs and podcasts like we have here and, and the monthly grant program at, at freefellowship.com. All those are things that we're trying to do to try to understand what is that next thing that somebody out there that, that wants an opportunity that really wants to strike out on their own, or they've already already struck out on their own and they just need a little bit of help to, to grow their, their venture. You know, what, what what kind of support can we have for their their small business? You know, so that's pretty much you know the the context for it. You know, I really want people to understand that we do not have all the answers. We are uh, building it. We're responding. We're getting better every month. We're listening to the free community and improving our services every month on that. You know, with that idea of, of trying to distribute as as much opportunity as we can. Uh, the ideal way to kind of learn more. Uh, about Freed is the, you know, visit freefellowship.com. You know, that's where our main, you know, feedback and grant program is, you know, you, you can check out uh, all the details there. And, um, you know, one of the main missions uh, that people ask us about this too, you know, what is your mission? Well, you know, we started out because we wanted to actually see how 
big a dent we can make. And the idea is that, you know, over the next 10 years, we'd like to help at least a thousand business owners take their businesses and grow them to be at least million dollar business. So if you had a thousand businesses that somehow, you know, we had some role in helping you kind of reach that million dollar mark, um, and we did that for a thousand business owners, you know, that would be a billion dollars worth of impact that we would have made, you know. And again, it doesn't mean that a business has to stop at a million, you know, if they get to that point, hopefully they keep growing. So if we are able to influence, advise, touch, support, you know, just encourage a thousand businesses that can get to that level, I mean, that's a billion dollars worth of impact that we've made into the community. So that's our goal. You know, that's what we're shooting for. I think anything that you worth doing is worth putting time into and worth like measuring and, and having a goal for it. So we, we've thrown out that ambitious goal that we can kind of help, you know, a thousand businesses kind of reach that, you know, almost a, uh, it's almost a, a mental milestone of reaching a, a million dollars in sales. And, and if we can do that, you know, we'll have made a billion dollars worth of impact in the three community. So those are some of the top of the mind uh, issues that I think comes up, you know, when people ask about uh, Freed and the Freed Fellowship. And so how does the process of the Freed Fellowship work? So um, the, the process, again, um, I, I would encourage people to visit, you know, freedfellowship.com. And essentially, we ask you a, sub, a couple of simple questions about your business. You share those questions with us and we review those. And we, we look at the submissions and kind of understand where are you now in your business journey? And we, we give some level of feedback and some information back on, on, on the applicants so that they can kind of get a sense of where they are, you know, where are they in their journey? You know, what stage are they in and, and give them information that they can use you know, so they can turn around, not, not too dissimilar from some of the stuff that we talked about today and try to make that as, as applicable as possible. And out of uh, everybody who does apply in a given month, you know, we do select one as a, as a freed fellow. They get a small micro grant um, and then we welcome them in, in, into the freed uh, community. Uh, we have them on the podcast. You've probably heard, uh, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to some of the older podcasts. You, you've heard some of our free fellowship recipients and they tell their stories and, and what have you. And that's part of the reason why we have the free stories is because we want to have an outlet to be able to tell their stories, have them, you know, uh, show you where they are in their journey. And hopefully it acts as uh, encouragement for other people that are trying to grow their businesses. And you can kind of see where they're at and you can say, Hey, I'm not too far off from that. Or that's kind of interesting how they did that. And it could hopefully encourage you to kind of do the same thing. So you know, again, go to freedfellowship.com, check out some of the information, you know, uh, apply. Um, you'll get some feedback on, on your business as well as um, be considered to, to become a freed fellow. Who are some of the freed fellows and what kinds of businesses do they have? Oh, man, uh, we have so many different businesses, probably too many to name. Uh, again, maybe it sounds like I'm plugging the podcast, but, uh, you know, it would be great to go back and, and listen to some of the older ones. But, you know, we have coach consultants, you know, uh, Becky Poole was one of our, our winners and she has a growing business there helping other digital coaches. And, and I don't think all of them are digital. Some may be offline, but helping coaches launch their coach businesses. Um, and she's, she's seeing a lot of uh, great traction there. Wonderful story. Someone should really listen to that podcast because, you know, Becky, uh, actually got separated from her, her job, uh, during the whole pandemic. Um, and this was a pivot for her. And she started this business and she's grown it and it's uh, doing wonderfully. So kudos to Becky to be able to, to pivot and, and to be agile like that. And we've heard a lot of stories like that from other freed fellows. You know, we have a nonprofit uh, that helps encourage 
high school girls in order to kind of gain confidence and, you know, be willing to go out there and become entrepreneurs or, you know, choose whatever career that they want. So uh, that, that's another one of our fellows. You know, we have fellows who are writing businesses, you know, that help uh, people with their resumes and with writing and their marketing for businesses. Um, you know, we have a lot of product uh, companies, people that are, are selling products. And we get, there's a whole um, host of uh, fellows that we have there. Again, uh, too many for me to, to name right off, but, you know, listen to the podcast, you know, hear their stories, listen to how they got started. And, and we really hope that these stories encourage other people to kind of, you know, make that leap and, and see that entrepreneurship, small businesses are for everybody. Yeah, they're not just for, you know, some select group, you know, that again, that come from families of entrepreneurs or what have you. Anybody can start a business. Anybody can make that choice and, and find a way to get started. And we want people to know that they're not alone in that journey. And our last question of the day comes from Deshonda, and she asked, how do we select guests for the podcast? That is a great question and a great question to end on. So primarily, uh, like I shared, the number one stories that we want to tell on Free Stories are Free Fellows, you know, people that have, you know, come through the, the program or at least applied for the program. And the reason being is that we learn something about them by them submitting applications. We learn a little bit about their business. We're able to kind of, you know, analyze it. So the more dynamic, interesting stories are the ones that we think can compel and encourage others out there. So selected freed fellows always make the show. Now we're going to start having more freed applicants uh, on the podcast. And we want to now uh, start highlighting and showcasing people out there in the community who have good services that can help freed-like companies. You know, uh, these are young, emerging small businesses that have a dream, that have a purpose, you know, that, that are really uh, trying to grow, mostly, you know, underrepresented founders. So if you do, if you're listening to this um, and you haven't applied or you feel like you, you fall somewhat outside the, the Freed Fellowship, but you have a service, a good or service that you think you can bring into the community, or you have a coaching program, or you have a webinar or something that you think that you can add to this community, please contact us, you know, email us at team at freedfellowship.com and tell us that you'd like to be profiled on Freed Story. Say that you, you know, explain to us what you think you can bring to the community, um, what you can add to it, and we will review it and, and give you an email back. And let you know if, if it's a fit. And we'd love to have more people out here talking about, you know, different ways. For example, Nathan and I, who are, uh, neither one of us are, are CPAs, um, at least uh, that I know of. <laughs> um, it'd be great if a CPA heard this and said, hey, I heard people want to hear about, you know, best way to take care of bookkeeping. We'd love to have a bookkeeper on. And we'd profile a bookkeeper. And if they had, you know, tips and tricks and, and thoughts and guidance, you know, for the community, for people just starting out, uh, we'd love to have a bookkeeper on. You know, we'd love to have a, um, a small business attorney on. You know, um, we'd love to have a small business marketer on. I mean, we did with Nathan, but we, we'd be happy to, for people who focus on Facebook ads or people who focus on Google ads or, or social media ads, what have you. So um, we're really opening it up beyond just the, the freed fellows. And if you think you have something to add and you want to make it on our airwaves and you're, you're willing to, to get questioned by Jackie or one of us, um, we're, no, it, it really isn't that hard hitting. So <laughs> most of the questions are pretty softball. So don't, 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 don't worry about that. But, um, but yeah, if, if you think you have something to add, please uh, you know, send an email out to us, uh, team at freedfellowship.com. 
and uh, we'll get an email back to you. Well, that just about wraps up our Q&A episode today. Also, if you have more questions for us, you can also email those to the team at freedfellowship.com email, and we can use them in our next Q&A episode. If you have questions about entrepreneurship, getting into it, if you have freelancing questions or different questions about life, entrepreneurship, we would love to hear from you and we would love to try and tackle your hard-hitting questions. Thank you, both of you, Andy and Nathan, for taking the time to answer these questions and serving our community today. Thank you, Maggie. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, thanks for having us, Maggie. All right, we will catch you on the next episode of Freed Stories, and I promise it will be Jackie, and she will be much more entertaining than I am. (laughs) Here at the Freed Fellowship, we are building a community of talented individuals ready to make theirs and others' business dreams come true. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you guys next time as we interview another fellow team member. And until then, don't forget to free your mind, free your media. Free your media.